My name is Dr. Josephine Palermo and my superpower is creating business cultures that transform organizations team by team. Today, I'm joined by Paul Matthews, who is an expert in leader-employee communications. He has a new top 10 best-selling book called Switch, From Telling to Trusting, and he'll share some insights from it today. Paul believes trust is the essence of leadership and loves to inspire others to powerful leadership through communication. We discuss this and other topics in this episode. I'm here today with Paul Matthews, who's an expert in leader and employee communication, best-selling author, speaker, mentor and coach. Welcome, Paul. How are you today? Thanks, Josephine. I'm delighted to be here. I'm great. Thank you. Oh, fantastic. Uh, before we start, Paul, we're going to talk today about uh, powerful leadership. But before we do that, could you just uh, maybe give us the you know, elevator pitch um, in terms of who you are and perhaps where, where you've come from to be here today? Yeah, absolutely. I am a speaker, mentor and coach, and I work with leaders and teams to build impact and trust using powerful conversations. I love it. That's yeah. a nice elevator pitch. I can tell you've worked on that. <laughs> we all need to work on our elevator pitch. That's wonderful. I think you um, can't have a conversation about impact without having the right elevator pitch, right? Absolutely. That yes, that would be that would be a, a real score <laughs> against you right up front. All right, so we've passed that test. Fantastic. Right. Um, so where did all the passion for powerful leadership start for you? You know, where did you start to think about that as a concept and why are you so passionate about it? Yeah, look, I've spent about 25 years in big organisations, both in the UK and in Australia. And I've always chosen tough environments. So as a communicator, which communications and marketing was my background, but I never really worked in the fluffy campaigns. I always chose tough corporate comms around, you know, in change management or change resistant environment, highly unionized organizations, and also often male dominated businesses with you know high reliance on engineering. So utilities, clinical environments, transportation, logistics. And I've seen, I guess both sides of the coin, my kind of powerful leadership, I've seen glimmers of that throughout the years come out and seen what a difference that trusts and great leadership and communication can make. But I also spent a lot of time working in and with leaders that, you know, didn't have much in the way of training and were struggling to build trust because they didn't have that powerful conversation skill, if you like. And, and in your role in communications, were you offer, often kind of buffering uh, that poor leadership outcome because that's kind of sometimes a comms role isn't it you sort of you're sort of in the middle sort of trying to make yeah. you know lemonade out of lemons yeah and often you know one of the things that I always get asked from leaders is can you make me look good and that's the really that, and I think buffering is a really polite way of saying you're trying to polish something that doesn't look great you know so and my response to the to, to leaders saying make me look good is the only way I can make you look good is by you actually being good you know what kind of response would you get it's confronting that? you know lots of leaders find that very confronting you know I of course I can help 
train and advise and coach and mentor you. But the only way for you to be good is to look good is for you to be good, right? And that's a really tough concept because lots of people are so caught up in doing their job and solving the problems in the team. They don't really put invest the effort into getting better. Absolutely. And and so so I can see where, you know, that um, call to action in your life, you know, that purpose came from. And you wrote a book. Tell us a little I bit did. about the book. Paul. I wrote a book just over a year ago called... In COVID, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> in lockdown. And it's called Switch from Telling to Trusting with Powerful Conversations. So, I mean... The, the real thing that spurred me to write the book was the last job I had. I was, you know, highly qualified, highly experienced person coming in in an executive team and I pretty much was getting told what to do. And that really impacted both my mental well-being, it impacted my team. Um, it actually was impacting the whole organisation and it, I made the commitment there and then to do something about it. So I'm, if you like... I'm, I'm leading the charge to help leaders to transition and switch from, you know, the, the telling mindset to a more trusting style of leadership. And and in that, that's a really interesting, well, and terrible situation to be in. I've been working with a lot of um, women who have very similar, yeah. um, you know, terrible outcomes from having that leadership, in, you know, in, imposed on them. And it's and what they feel is a real lack of confidence and incompetency over time what was the outcome for you what were you experiencing as a consequence of that because I think it's really important to understand the impact of that kind yeah. of leadership look when you're in in the middle of it it's extremely frustrating it can really impact your morale and your team's morale and you know you kind of um, conditioned through your education to think and to generate ideas and you know you of all people with your psychology background know that when you when you tell somebody what to do their brain goes into fight or flight mode and it shuts down and you become compliant and I'm by nature the opposite of compliant I love conversation and I you know I love having ideas and working in a team it's a real passion of mine so yeah it was very frustrating and I could see the difference from, you know, three leaders prior who was very trusting. The journey that I had come on was very impactful. The aftermath, um, yeah, wasn't easy. I had, you know, I had to work on myself, had, had to have some therapy just to, just to, you know, remind myself that I am, you know, I am capable <laughs> and I do have great ideas. And, you know, one of those was the manifestation of the book. Oh, that's fantastic, Paul, and and what a great, what a great um, outcome for you. So in COVID, while we were all, you know, watching Netflix and eating a lot of um, junk food, you were writing a book. How fantastic! I was. How long did it take you to write the book? Well, I think I, you know, messed around trying to write it for about twelve months, but it actually took me about three when I was really focused yeah, and really fantastic. had pen on paper. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic, and and. I think it is really important to understand the impact of um, work and the you know culture and leadership um, at work because it does you know your thank you for sharing that 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 your experience because it does actually hit us at a very personal level and um, you know mental health and physical health are one of those areas that we really 
see a lot of people suffering yeah. um, out really adverse outcomes in. Yeah, and look, I think one of the big things is that lots of leaders that I talk to don't realise that the impact they have and their style of leadership create the conditions for success. And often they can be, you know, some behaviours or even words can have a really profound impact, both negative and positive in a team. So I think one of my messages in my book is, you know, your impact creates your culture, which creates your results. Absolutely, yeah, I can I can see that happening, and and we know, and I keep talking about this too with the with the organisations that I'm working with currently. Leadership is such a critical factor in driving culture. It all has to start from there. Absolutely. You can't get that strong culture. You can't get a culture where people feel empowered and you know um, capable and are finding meaning in their work if that doesn't come yeah. from the top. Absolutely, and I guess one of the things that I struggle with is we've been saying that for so long yes you know and at the, I think it's the first three pages of my book I keep you know I say you know every year we do this employee engagement survey and every year we get the top three communicate you know top three improvement areas communication leadership engagement innovation involvement they keep coming around every yes. year and I feel like you know trust might be a circuit breaker for that all right. Well, let, let's go into that a little bit in in a bit in depth. So, so let's start there with that concept of trust. How do you define that, and what what do you mean by that? I mean, when I talk about trust, I mean that it, trust in a team or trust between a leader and employee. I guess is what I'm talking about, and it's one of those concepts quite hard to explain to people, but you know when it exists. And so, for me, trusted in in a team creates a safe environment where there's you know uh, a recognition that we're all humans that we've all got a life outside of work I think that's really important and that we're all individuals and that we all require different conversations and that we all have different needs and if we're in a safe environment where we can you know acknowledge those things but also accept the answers from employees that really helps to build trust so but that might not be a definition, but I hope it gives you a feeling of how it might look. Or yeah, feel. and maybe, and, and I think it is a feeling. I think we we absolutely can feel um, that trust when it happens, yeah. and it's um, and from I think a leadership perspective, it's um, it's about trusting that people will deliver on you know the things that they've they've committed to. Absolutely. And having a very different way of leading. So how how do leaders build trust for what because I know you you've kind of talked about that in your book. Yeah, look I've got um I've got a, a model of powerful conversations that I believe is you know a, a roadmap and a blueprint of how how to you know lift your impact and build trust. And the first part of that is around switching your mindset to be a you know and recognizing that you can get better i meet so many leaders that say i'm already a great communicator and i say well that's a fixed mindset because we yeah. can all grow we can all get better yeah absolutely and, and and you know there you're pulling on work by carol dweck absolutely. in terms of growth mindset and it's absolutely um something that i that as a concept i find really valuable because one of the misconceptions of growth mindset is that we we have one yeah so <laughs> you know that you know oh, i have that i've got that absolutely well that's actually a, a fixed mindset yeah. response 
Totally. And look, often I've I worked for um, Sydney Water, a really big utility, and one of the projects there was a huge outsourcing, like big change in culture project, outsourcing about 400 employees. And one of the first things I did was, you know, say to the leaders, you've got a big challenge ahead of you. This is like going to require a lot of communication and engagement. And they all kind of said, oh, you know, they all rated themselves excellent or very good. And so I thought. That's strange. So, and then I did the same and asked the employees, what do you think? And it was such a different picture. And they, you know, the employees said, we really hardly ever see them. When we do, we get mixed messages and it's just, you know, it's dissatisfying. So again, that growth mindset of, you know, thinking you're doing something is actually very limiting and was in, in that environment, high risk. I think that's called the Dunning-Kruger effect where you know somebody thinks somebody who thinks they're really good at something might not be but somebody that doesn't think they're that good is perhaps much better than they actually think they are. Absolutely yeah no I like that. So, so how do you so if you if you then got over that hot hurdle yeah. and so you you're, you're willing to learn and you're, you're open to learning and saying okay I can learn something here in terms of you know, having powerful conversations or more powerful communication, what happens after that? I guess the next step is investing in the connection between yourself and your employees. So for me, I see lots of managers going about, you know, their day job, running meetings, solving all the problems in their team, and often they're not even saying good morning to the people around them. So I, I know, and we all know that having a deeper connection and more empathy and you know demonstrating more emotional intelligence in your team gets you better results and so i'm really all about helping leaders build a deeper employee connection that's phase two of the powerful conversations model if you're if you have a leader though that isn't very affiliative in other words they're not maybe they're not forming uh, deep connections anywhere is that, is that, you know, that, that seems like an impossible shift or is it, is there still something that can shift for someone who's really on the edge of that mm. kind of continuum? I guess then I'd take them back to step one. <laughs> <laughs> and having that, you know, having that conversation about, okay, well, you know, there's always room for growth and let me show you, you know, some evidence of where I believe your relationships can mm. benefit from greater depth. Yeah. And look, I'm not talking about, you know, going out, having dinner three times a week with your team here. <laughs> this is about, you know, treating each other like human beings with, you know, a, dignity and respect at the end of the day, isn't it? I mean, that's often, we're, we're talking about baseline stuff here, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, and I think it's 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 definitely what the leader says and does that, that really makes a difference there. And, and, and how time is used because often the leader has control over how the team uses their time right so the activities that that are valuable the conversations that are you know almost you know permissible or valued and i think you know that leads me on to the third point which is around focusing the agenda of the team so i see lots of leaders having lots of meetings about lots of stuff and I'm really big on focus. I read um, Focus, you know, The Hidden Driver of Excellence by Daniel Goleman years ago. And since then, I've been all about, you know, the exclusion of distractions 
Um, and I guess the metaphor there is around, you can't win a, win a gold medal in, in 25 sports. And so doing a few things really well is going to help you excel. And I use that kind of methodology with leaders around, let's just really focus the agenda on, you know, the vision of the organization and the goals of your team. So every conversation is focused around that. Yes, you know, have the water cooler of conversations and the good mornings. That's a really important part of building employee connection. But I feel like making sure that the team discussions and team meetings are focused is really is a is a big benefit to lots of you know increasing impact for leaders. Mm. So there's a bit of a discipline in that, yeah. and sort of thinking about that, and also um, not getting so because I feel like sometimes as leaders we're on a bit of a treadmill, and you you end up wanting to get to kind of the updates and you know the, yeah. the kind of transactional stuff and yeah um, totally. without without giving people the bigger picture first yeah but, and well, I, maybe you've communicated it 10 months ago and you feel like they should get it yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head often leaders control the com you know the content of conversations and often i find that leaders believe employees are telepathic you know, they think just because they, the leader knows something or they've mentioned it or sent an email 10 months ago that everybody's, you know, absorbed it, it's done, it's ticked off, it's, it, it's achieved. When actually it's a much deeper ongoing conversation to get employees where you want them. We were talking before, I really love that concept in your book around telling and, and, and telepathy yeah. uh, and those two things together. <laughs> uh, perhaps you could explain that a bit because I think that's gone. Yeah, I once worked for a, a I was actually a, a chief executive of a, a really big logistics company and we'd invested, you know, tens of thousands of dollars with some sexy management consultancy building a strategy. And when it, we finished, I kind of, he just put it in the drawer. And I said, well, you know, I'm putting a get together a plan to share this with our employees, you know, tooling up our leaders to help them have powerful conversations with their people. And his face went ashen white. It was almost, yeah, it was almost like he, he, he was terrified at the thought of employees knowing what their future was, what the strategy was oh, and where wow. we were going. And so this concept of leaders that, you know, telepathy and telling, it, I find it really fascinating that we think that everybody knows stuff that we know. And in actual fact, we've got to be intentional about having conversations. And yeah, you know, having a conversation about a strategy is a slow, long, long burn. But even things, you know, the smallest things, we've got to be intentional about raising. And, you know, the, the same thing applies in kind of corporate communication. It takes about nine pieces of content for somebody to actually take notice or take action. That's really depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess it depends what it is. I have my baz come through to pay my quarterly accounts. It takes about 10 reminders for me to do that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There is that. I mean, we, of course, we've got a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of information. Um, and, and and leaders in particular are, are fighting yeah. information as well as, as others in the team. And there are often, um, I think, that's why mixed messages can be really yeah. problematic when, for example, different leaders are, are giving different yeah. types of messages or the same leader is giving totally. mixed messages and as well. I think one of the things I say to leaders is that, you know, we have an absolute, you know, feast at the moment when it comes to information. 
but there's a famine when it comes to employee attention. And so our impact and the importance of trust goes up tenfold, you know, every year because there's so much more content, there's so much, you know, the work, the workforce and the workplace has changed so dramatically that is the cut through is really important. So focusing the agenda and leading that conversation, which is the fourth part of my model, really leading the conversation in a way that gives the employees what they need to thrive is really, really vital. Mm. And, and what does that what does that mean? What, what kinds of things would you see if someone's doing that? Yeah, so I tend to give um, leaders the four key questions that employees want answered. And the first of those is what is what is the vision? What is my role? Yeah. How do I make my contribution? And how will my performance be measured? So four really basic questions that, you know, somebody really wants to ask or should be asking on their first day, but it's the leader's role to really, you know, lead that discussion and constantly reinforce those answers. Absolutely. And, and you know, that, that connection to how I contribute to the bigger picture yeah. or, or how I contribute to the larger goal is really important because I think particularly in large organisations, messages get so diluted and you end up with teams that kind of are running at, you know, in a different direction Absolutely. without really understanding that they're not making the kind of impact yeah. they need to make. Totally. That's right. And look, it's, it, I guess it's easy to say, you know, answer these four questions. Those in themselves aren't going to just build trust. But it's going to create a really interesting conversation for the employee and it's going to empower them, you know. Um, one of the things I share with leaders is the triangle of trust, which is quite a famous uh, triangle. And that's really made up of three elements. The first is, I guess it's around how you have the conversation. And the first of those is to use logic. So to demonstrate the rationale for your decisions is really important. You know, often I've heard leaders say, just get on with it, just do it. Because management said, management want it. Yeah. You know, that's really not helping build trust at all. So using the rationale for your decisions is really important. Mm. The second part of the triangle, the other corner is around empathy. So showing that you care. And, you know, as, as I was saying before, this is not about going around and babysitting whilst your employee goes out with their partner for dinner. It's actually about, you know, taking an interest in the employee beyond their role. They're not just, you know, we're not robots. We've got feelings and personalities. And I think that's an important part of work. And the last thing is about being authentic. So that's the third way to, to really, you know, show powerful, have powerful conversations. And that's really about being yourself. You're a human too. If you don't know the answer, just say, this is a, such a big thing for leaders and you'll see it on the box every night with ScoMo or whoever thinks they've got to have every answer and solve every problem. It's so much more powerful and so much more impactful and real if you, if you, if you say you don't have the answer. You know, it, it's, um, it, it is such a, and we hear this a lot and uh, I, I'm kind of thinking about, as you're saying, I'm thinking about one of my very early um, well, one of the mentors I had very early in my career when I was working in universities, and he was a professor, 
And we used to have these Socratic conversations almost where he would, even if he knew the answer, he would actually ask questions of me. Yeah. And I was this young, you know, 20 year old something. And he's got, he was in this very senior position in the university running all of the academic programs. But he would ask me for my opinion. Yeah. And that, that, that used to blow my mind. And I loved those conversations. And I learned so much from those conversations Absolutely. as well. But I'm sure that he also got a little bit of a different perspective because I was coming at things with fresh eyes too, of regardless of my inexperience yeah. or my youth. Yeah, totally. And look, my one of my mantras when I work with executive teams is that, you know, employees know this business better than you. I know that you're sat here highly paid around this big boardroom table, but I guarantee that employees know the business, the operations and the customers way better than you do. So telling, trying to tell them what to do is a no brainer. Like you, you've, opening up and trusting them, you know, asking 3,000 heads to solve a problem is better than one head of operations, right? So that's my kind of psychology around, you know, we don't know best. And yeah, the simple motto around two heads is better than one, it's, it's a no-brainer. But it does require a switch in the psychology of leaders to, and, uh, you know, a degree of not... Um, vulnerability for a leader to actually say I actually don't know or maybe you can come up with something better and, and to be kind of fair at that kind of senior leadership level there is um, of course leaders are going to use strategies that, that have, have kind of made them successful before and so these strategies of maybe having control systems in place or a more control uh, and command level of leadership is sometimes expected at that level. You know, I've been in, in senior leadership meetings where people have said, why don't you know this when I've referred to my staff member? So there is this whole culture in some yeah. ways that needs to switch as well. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think a big, this I identify three big challenges for leaders right now. And the first of those is around the fact that our workforce has evolved substantially, you know, even in the last probably six months, let alone the last 10 years. You know, the, the work, the workforce and the workplace is unrecognizable now com compared to before. Yes. And um, I guess the impact of that for leaders is around involving employees now is a different game to what it was before. They're much more educated and they're much more sophisticated than they used to be. Um, I think it's 68% of employees by the end of the, the 20s are going to be born since the 80s in Australia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, that's depressing for me. I was born in 1974. <laughs> <laughs> and half of every, you know, new employee is going to have a degree. Yeah, when I, when I right. was, when I grew up, one in four people had a degree, Gen X. Mm -hmm. So we're, you know, and that, that's a real challenge for leaders because now employees are hardwired to contribute and engage and they want their say you know it's not just on the tablets or the phone we want to have our say in a team so that it requires a cultural shift for businesses to get the best out of them and, and Paul does it take these kind of powerful conversations does it take longer you know are we sort of talking to leaders who are already really super busy and saying you need to kind of slow down and have these conversations and it'll take longer because that's there's no ROI in that for me, you know, if I'm a busy leader. So is that what we're saying? 
I hear this all the time. So one of the things that I notice is that leaders often see communications as an optional extra. You know, it's another thing to do on the to-do list. And they're already busy, caught up, trying to solve all the problems in the team. And I say that investing in, you know, a better rhythm of communication and a better connection is actually going to improve how you lead. So for me, powerful conversations are the how of leadership, you know, and trust is the essence of great leadership for the 2020s. And how does that look? Well, for me, it's about making sure that leaders have the right infrastructure in their week, their month, their year. So having, you know, having the team meeting, having the one-to-ones in the calendar is only going to make life much easier. And that the sense of, you know, I've got to solve all the problems in the team. Well, if you're telling people what to do, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, you're in the hiding to nothing yeah. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, Paul, we, we, you, I know that you have a program that's, um, that's sort of taking some of these ideas. And it's, um, so tell me a little bit about the program. Who's that targeted to and you know what are the kinds of things that are the learning objectives yeah well I say that powerful conversations are like rocket fuel they put trust in the tank which helps leaders go further faster on things like culture on change on innovation and so on so aptly my program is actually called rocket fuel for leaders it's a powerful conversations program which uses a blend of group coaching, workshops, one-on-one coaching and mentoring. And it's for any any level or all levels of leaders in your organization. So anyone from front, front middle or senior, senior executives. And I, I really work with leaders on, you know, first up, and you, I'm glad that you mentioned the ROI because lots of organizations really don't see the hard line that comes from improving communication. You know, it's one of the low, low things that doesn't get invested in very often. But all the evidence shows that simply, well, the first thing is simply by having a team meeting engagement, you're more likely to have, or three times as like more likely to have engaged employees on your team just by having a regular team meeting. And then the, the biggest stats are around 21% improvement in productivity, 90% improvement in profitability, 12 points of growth on customer scores for leaders that have uh, more trust in their teams that are better communicators. And that's, they're really big numbers. They are actually, they are. And so I, you know, I work a lot with engineers and uh, finance directors. So it's, it's important for me to, to have that rigor, as you say, why should I invest? when this is potentially adding to my workload, when, you know, the reality is it doesn't, it's going to, it's going to propel you forward. Yeah, that's right. And I, I know that you actually take the ROI down to an individual amount. Absolutely. So when I wrote my book, I had lots of people, you know, I interviewed quite a lot of leaders and uh, one of the things that they said was, well, how much is bad communication and low trust costing us? And so I've done a lot of scanning and brought that together in a bit of a calculator for leaders to look at. You know, it talks about how poor communication costs around $20,000 per employee per year in Australia. So, you know, in an organization of a thousand people, that's about 20 million. That's a lot of money. 
So they want to be thinking about how much invest investment are they putting into addressing that, right? Absolutely. So that's the kind of other side of that coin. Absolutely. And it comes right back to what we started the conversation about, Josephine, is around that, you know, those annual employee engagement results that say visibility of leadership, involvement, decision-making, communication, collaboration, all of these things, they don't get fixed by gimmicks or engagement campaigns. Uh, you know, it's not about helping leaders have difficult conversations, and I'm holding my hands up doing quote marks here. Oh, yeah, it's actually about he helping leaders have the day-to-day -day conversations, which we know drive up performance, culture, and behavior. I think that those engagement surveys were an absolute great initiative when they started. But I see, to your point, I see so many um, responses to engagement surveys done so poorly. And I, I, you know, my wish is that, or my request of, of leaders is that we take them very seriously and very personally. And to your point, you know, what are you really doing about it at a personal level? Yeah. This is about you. Absolutely. And, you know, I've worked lots of places where they have, you know, lunchtime yoga, all of those, bring your pet to work day, all of those great things. But actually, it comes down to personal ownership by, by your manager. If your manager isn't, you know, proactively communicating, listening and enabling you to, to do your job to the best that you can, then you're not going to be engaged. We're trying to grow that in every team, right? Oh yeah, and that that would be wonderful. You know, my one of the the reasons I do this and I do a lot of the work that I do is 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 really because I want to see workplaces where people can flourish, and that's kind of what you're talking yeah. about. It's really a workplace where you get up in the morning and you feel supported and you feel like you can smash it out because you know you've got that great support behind you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just you know we can talk about. Um, engagement service and the, the response but I, th I think ultimately it comes down to you know leaders having a greater appreciation for their impact and um, one of the big things I learned probably maybe five ten years ago was around the neuroscience of conversations when we have a conversation it, we create a bonding mechanism between the leader and the employee, which, you know, floods the brain with positive chemicals. And that helps, an, you know, propels an employee to bring forth their ideas, to connect more deeply, to take more ownership and achieve more. And I think that's where we need to be, you know, targeting our, um, our engagement activities about helping leaders understand that rather than doing a quick fix or a poster campaign about what you said and what we did. Yes, that always makes me very <laughs> sad. <laughs> so thank you so much, Paul. Um, we're going to wrap that up. Is it just last comment, anything else you wanted to share that maybe we haven't touched on today or an additional thought? A lasting comment from you, Paul. My lasting comment would be just that, that, you know, trust is like rocket fuel. It's not hard to build. It's actually even more about consistency than anything else. And when you've got rocket fuel in the tank, you can go further faster on anything you choose. 
Great. Thanks, Paul. I look forward to more more examples of rocket fuel. I love it. Thank <laughs> you so much. Thanks. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot.